Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. It is another episode of R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I am A.J. Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. You can find him on the socials at the real underscore G Warner. You can find me at A.J. Is the Real. Uh, what a weekend in college hoops. We had a ton of big time matchups, great games. Um, some not so great games, but um, the. It, Let's start with the bad news. The bad news is we were one and one on our best bets. The good news is we can now officially say we were two and zero on our best bets from the last pod because the Oregon Ducks came through and, and blew out USC. Uh, so one and one on best bets from the last episode, and we'll hope to make it two and zero here again. Um, Griffin, with our, I think his winning streak was broken. His best bet winning streak came to a halt at like 50. So congratulations on a nice run. Yeah. Um, but luckily, it was about time I stepped up and uh, and got us one. So it's uh, another one and one for the pod. And again, we'll look for a 2-0 and o this week. Um, let's go ahead and jump into the games. The weekday games, not as exciting as this last weekend slate. Although some of those games that we thought were going to be really good were not all that good. Um Houston, not quite on Kansas's level at home. Like I tweeted this out. I said, you know, the weirdest thing about uh, betting against Kansas at home is, and I said, actually, I don't know because I would never in my life do such a thing. And it's just, <laughs> it's crazy to think how many sharps were like, you got to back the Cougs here. Got to back. The-. It's just like, no, I, I, I will not do it. And um, yeah, turns out it's, it's a bad idea. It, like, if something if if a if a team is dogged at home only once like every 10 years, it's probably for good reason, you know? I'm not saying they'll never lose at home. It's just don't don't have to bet on the other team to get any kind of margin. Expect them to lose on a last second buzzer beater or something. And of course the whistles were about the way you thought they'd be. Uh although I think Kansas pretty thoroughly outplayed them anyway. So I I think we mentioned that that the whistles might not exactly be completely level uh at the fog over the years and years that I've been watching the Big Twelve. But I don't think it mattered because another one of those teams we talked before we came on, uh just some teams were super hot from three. Uh a lot of road teams, unfortunately, which does not go well in my strategy this weekend. But that was at least a home team, which is a little bit more expected. Yeah, uh, Tennessee is probably one of the teams you're, you're talking about who just couldn't miss a shot and uh, kind of ran Kentucky out of their own gym. Um, boy, North Carolina put the boots to Duke. Like It felt like Duke didn't even belong on the floor with them. Um, so it's certainly some surprising results. Uh, and then the, probably the best game that we talked about last week was the, uh, the, the St. Mary's-Gonzaga game, which went right down to the wire uh Gonzaga running out of time to get a quad one win that was one of their last remaining chances and I, and I think Gonzaga is going to be in the tournament even if they end up without a quad one win but boy it's they're they're going to be a they're not going to be the seed that we're used to seeing them let's just put it at that all right starting with this week's games and I think we're starting on Tuesday uh, a couple games in the big 12 and let's start with BYU at Oklahoma and let's start by saying Oklahoma, um, they are, are in, I don't want to say they're in a tailspin, but they've lost three out of four now, including a couple home games. And this is where it worries me because like it, normally it's real easy to say, oh, back the home team, back the home team. And by the way, we're, we're going to make Oklahoma about a one point favorite here. Uh, but 
Oklahoma losing at home to Texas, then losing at home to Texas Tech, uh, and then just getting walloped on the road this weekend at Central Florida. Is it, it, we talked about OU's talent maybe not being as, as you know as up to par with some of the top teams in the Big Twelve, but I do think they're very well coached by Porter Moser. Does it matter in this situation? They are a good three-point defense t- defense team, and that that is important against this BYU team who obviously wants to shoot, 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 uh, but does a good job of, of scoring inside as well. They're number two in the country in two-point percentage. Uh, and BYU just went on the road and got a what I would have thought was going to be one of their tougher road trips. I'm Not that West Virginia is good, but that's always a tough road trip. It's the furthest road trip for BYU. And they went and, and took took care of business there, and and that's coming off the win against Texas, uh, and actually playing Houston pretty tough. So maybe BYU, who seemed like they lost their rhythm early in the season, is starting to find it back. And Oklahoma is sort of a team looking for their mojo right now. What do you think the uh, what, what do you think wins out in this matchup, home court or the or the hot hand? Uh, in addition to being walloped by UCF, they also took a headbutt. Oklahoma did uh, at the end of the first half that got. A player ejected after uh, an intentional trip was just completely ignored. Uh, As a UCF backer in that one, I was not exactly a happy camper coming back from halftime, seeing Oklahoma at at the line for two shots without any sort of, uh, well, the ball hadn't been entered into play yet. And I was wondering what the hell happened. But uh, to answer your questions, um, BYU I mean, they're one of those scary teams that goes on the road. They shoot threes, one through five, all five positions. Uh, I don't know how Ali Khalifa, Egyptian, big, big center. Uh, I don't know if he's really capable, but he's at least a threat out there. And uh, that kind of meshes pretty well with John Hughley, who's like the kind of a backup center, I'd probably call him for Oklahoma, but has had great three-point numbers for a lot of the season. I think that's been deteriorating lately. Um I am not ready to back off my road teams don't shoot three-point shots well because I just don't think it's as easy to do as compared to at home. You can have some crazy results despite what happened this weekend. Uh, I I just – I haven't really believed in this Oklahoma narrative for, I don't know, the entire season. Uh, It hasn't gone great for me. I was against them twice this week. Once on Saturday was a nice winter on on Central Florida and wasn't much of a sweat uh, despite what I was just talking about with the headbutt ejection. But I, I was on K-State, who I think had seven points in the first 12 minutes, maybe five points uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day that was. I've tried to forget. Um, but I, I feel like OU was basically completely unathletic, a pure Porter, Porter Moser, uh, Loyola Chicago, just with some potentially slightly better players. And they were finishing at the bottom of the Big 12. Now they have a bunch of new Big 12 teams come in. It's gotten a lot more difficult as a conference. And to me, they're still nowhere near as athletic as they need to be. They've improved that, but uh, I think they were just so unathletic that any sort of athletes that they add into their lineup is a big deal. Now, I don't think that matters as much against BYU because they're just going to try to set up on the three-point line and and take a bunch of long-distance shots. Um, I'm tempted to want to... continue fading Oklahoma because I feel like when these start sort of bad streaks come in, especially after a big start to the year and a lot of high expectations that you weren't maybe expected to have coming in, I feel like those things tend to kind of snowball really quickly and things can get pretty ugly. 
Uh, I just don't know that BYU and their style is what I want to back on the road because they, I mean, they're great at, at, at one thing I do like about them at, besides shooting threes at home is that they love to crash the glass with like all five guys defensively. So there's not going to be a lot of offensive rebounds, but that's not really OU's game at all. So I, I just don't really think that there's a lot more I'd want to do than, than back the home team here. And I think they have a lot of problems right now. Uh, maybe they're more athletic than the very, uh, Salt, I guess, very Utah centric BYU team, but uh, I just don't know if that's like enough. I was going to say something about Mormonism, but I wasn't sure if that would be kosher. So I'll, I'll leave that out. But it just, to me, it feels like uh, home court should serve here. And if it doesn't, I think there's even more problems with OU. And we might have lost a lot of value fading them, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think I lean to Utah here. I, I think that they are going to be able to shoot well against this OU team. I, I think what. What you said about athleticism is uh, rings pretty true. Uh, and the other thing that that Oklahoma like, the thing that they can't really afford is to be a, a turnover prone team. Uh, and it seems like that's what they're becoming. And OU in general is they're normally like I guess by Big Twelve standards they're a pretty solid rebounding team on both ends. But BYU is just better at that. And when when there's a team that had that's you're, if you're giving me the rebounding edge and the the ball security edge, it's hard for me to and giving me points or a point, it, it, you know, it's hard for me to pass on that because I think those extra possessions, particularly BYU, who more often than not an extra possession leads to three instead of two, um, those are the kind of teams I'm looking to back as a dog. Like if you're the better rebounding team, you're the you, you're you protect the ball better, and you're the better shooting team. I like that quite a bit. So I'll probably be looking at the Cougs here. All right, let's um let's get to the other matchup in the Big Twelve. Boy, <sighs> let me uh rant for a minute Ooh, about the officiating these. in the Baylor Iowa State game. You talk about uh, the home whistle at Fog. You know who did not get a home whistle was the Baylor Bears. To the and point they spent where, all this money on on this whole new arena and stuff. Shucks, man. I feel so bad for them. Like they were, I mean, when the, when the athletic director says he's making a phone call on a Sunday to the, uh, to the, to the conference about the officiating, which to be fair, I mean, I've never AJ, seen a coach. AJ, AJ, sorry to jump in, but I don't think a okay. lot of people are Texas based listening to us right now. So that's a really significant type of move <laughs> for someone from, uh, the most hallowed university in the state of Texas in Waco, Texas, where Baylor, I mean, that to me is one of the most religious places, I think, on on the human planet that we know so far. And yeah, and their AD was on, on the phone on Sunday bitching out the uh, the Big 12 officials. Ooh. And I, have you ever seen a coach actually get ejected for leaving the coaching box? I've never seen it. Like, I, I see warnings all the time. I've never seen a coach get ejected. Like, I, I was frustrated with Scott Drew at the time because it's like, dude, keep your cool. But then... It's like you, you can't eject the coach for that. They and they they hit Baylor with three technical fouls. Baylor was mm. up fifteen points, and before you knew it, they were down. I mean, it was just mind boggling. And Baylor goes on to win the game by two as a three point favorite. Um, of course, of it course. was it was like someone violently punching me in the balls uh, is what that game felt like. But I do feel like in general, when they're when they're not melting or being melted. This team's kind of finding something. Um, you know, I think they went through their bad stretch, and I think they're coming out of it. I, I really, I mean, the first half against Iowa State, they just looked like like Iowa State didn't belong on the floor with them, and that's a pretty good Iowa State team. 
And now they get a Texas Tech team at home that I like a lot less than Iowa State, but seems to be getting kind of a, a lot of love in the market. And that actually may come to a crashing halt uh, now that they lost at TCU uh, in a not really all that competitive game. And then they lost at home to Cincinnati, which is not a good look. I think maybe we're going to see uh, some of the, the the value knocked off of Texas Tech. But I still think I'm looking to back the Bears here. And, I, you know, both teams coming off non-covers. I, I think that anybody who watched that Baylor game is going to say, yeah, Baylor should have covered that game. Um, I, I think that they come out pissed off after this uh, this last game. And I think they, may, they, they have a statement win here uh, against Texas Tech. What do you see? And so you're saying Baylor minus six for this one. Is that right? Yep. Um, hmm. Well... I really liked this Texas Tech team based on being completely shocked by their performances in the non-conference. They were, I thought, getting a ton of respect against a Villanova team that uh, a lot of people thought was good in November or so, and then went to Butler and took them to overtime and were leading the whole time and was one of those underdogs. Just unfortunately, they get taken out back whenever it's overtime because they don't call it over they don't call it under time you know for under or underdogs <laughs> but uh i think from a baylor perspective um i did not catch that uh, iowa state game but i'm now very interested to to watch it and see exactly what scott drew because i don't think scott drew's a cursor really i mean maybe no. he might maybe he might be but i think he's part of aligned with the uh the religious mission of uh baylor university so uh, I'll, I'll leave that where it is there's been way too much discussion of that so far but i, I think from I, I was against Baylor uh, on the road at UCF, where uh, I think on middle of the week or so, and they had a huge comeback. So basically, their second half in Orlando and then first half of their Iowa State victory seemed to be a complete game of being really, really great. And maybe you're right that they're potentially turning the page or at least coming into a, a team that to me looks very scary. I mean, they've got a lot of talented pieces and Izumisi is going to be awesome. Like, I, I guess he just learned what a basketball was within the last few seasons or a few years. So yeah. um, he's one of those that is terrifying to me and it's going to be really good, I think, down the stretch here. Um, I, I think it's a six-point favorite. That's probably bigger than I want to get involved with, but I, I do feel like that's, we've talked about this podcast a bunch, is that that's a danger zone for me where I I used to love those things. And that's honestly where I cut my teeth in this, in this business or in this sport. Um, Texas tech, I feel like is a team that I want to back at home in the big 12. They uh, have, I, I thought were like not as bad as the score looked at Houston, like at Houston where it looked like a blowout and they were a huge underdog, but I feel like that's been um, that was come almost like they took a big lump in that game and haven't really recovered since so I'm going to need to see some better performance from Texas Tech in order to get involved. And I think for now, I'm I'm looking to play Baylor at home and not really fade them. I still feel like on the road as a favorite, there's something I'd like to be against. But I'm just not sure how much that's going to happen because the Big 12 is just so rugged. Yeah. And the one thing I worry about with Baylor is this might be a look ahead spot as they are at their next up at Fog mm -hmm. uh, at Kansas on Saturday. So um it may end up being something that I end up not playing. Like you said, it's a big number. Uh, and, and six may be short given what we've seen. These big 12 teams, every big 12 team is instantly, every big 12 home team is instantly getting hit. So if you, if you want a six, you're going to have to be really early to it, I imagine. And um, yeah, not sure. Not sure I'll be involved. Although I've, I've been backing Baylor pretty consistently this season and I, you know, it, it mixed results, I would say. Um, and then there 
let's let's not forget the time I backed off Baylor at Austin when uh oh 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 I feel like yeah. I'm in trouble now um <laughs> yes there was a time there was also a time where we both took them against Michigan State and that went horribly yeah, that you know the inconsistency is crazy and to to your point about the Big 12 marketplace and what we've seen in betting I mean West Virginia was getting hammered this weekend uh down from 10 all the way yeah. to like seven or eight I think it was against BYU and they got smashed and then I mean the one I guess correct money was Cincinnati money coming in and knocking that number down to I almost I was looking at text tech being like why is this line dropping I might play it and I'm very happy I didn't all right, let's go to the SEC where it just means more. The Egg Bowl, the Hardwood Egg Bowl, the Hardwood Boiled Egg Bowl, maybe. we I don't know if that's a thing, but that, that should be a thing now that I think about it. Uh, Alabama at Auburn will go with the Tigers as about a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Uh, Auburn, one of these teams that does have, you know, at least so far this season, an elite home court edge. Uh, and it felt like this week was one of those weeks where, and, and it felt like everybody was like, okay, this is where Auburn kind of crashes down on the road. Uh, a lot of people back in an Ole Miss team. That, that was me. That yeah, was me. It, one of them. It, I mean, it certainly felt like a good spot. An Ole Miss team that hadn't lost a home game yet this season, uh, going up against an Auburn team that has only lost games away from home it felt like maybe that was the spot to back them and they just went in and it was I, I guess Ole Miss played them well for about a half and then the second half Auburn just railroaded them I mean it, they destroyed them in the second half so um Broom again just cont- I mean this he's that team uh as far as rebounding is a, a big deal for this team they had 42 uh Ole Miss had 26 Johnny Broom had had nine of those boards. I mean, he's he's just a, a problem to deal with. And I wonder if this Alabama team who doesn't seem to to care much about rebounding or defense, those are things that worry me, particularly going on the road. And we've, we've talked about this a lot. If Alabama's going to win, it's going to be because they there's nothing to rebound because they just hit all their shots. On the road, I trust that less. So I, I sort of lean to the Tigers here, even though Auburn in general is a team I've been looking for a good spot to fade. Uh, I just I don't think this is it uh, against an Alabama team that I just haven't really trusted all season long. What, what do you think? Now, I want to say I think it's the Iron Bowl. I think you called it the hard-boiled egg bowl. Oh, I was thinking egg of Mississippi bowl, and Mississippi State. I think you had Ole Miss on the mind, which uh, – I think so. Yeah. Uh, that was not super fun for me this weekend. So Ole Miss up nine at halftime. I think they started out 10-2 or something like that. About the best dream start you could have. And then it turned out that Sharp, their seven foot five giant, was out, and uh, they're starting to play a breakfield. He's basically a, a small forward at center for a little while. That probably explains some of the rebounding edge. And what ended up happening in the second half was they just went to deny Broom, and there was no stopping him any sort of way. And Chris Beard didn't really have a lot of options. He just looked kind of out of it, upset. Maybe there's some other stuff going on off the, off the court. We'll never know. Um, but it just didn't seem like a great scenario for me to have an Ole Miss plus three ticket, which was bet down pretty heavily. And I was like, oh, yeah. here we go. Like, uh, why is this number dropping a lot when there's injury rumors and things like that? But And the things looked really good. But credit Auburn, they had a great response. It was one of the bigger crowds. I mean, that 
back to back after Mississippi State in the Hardwood Egg Bowl, where they had uh, a huge sellout and then sold it out again, back to back games, and it's just a few days. So credit Auburn for a huge win. And uh, three and a half seems really short to me. Uh, I, I feel like Auburn has gotten a lot of respect, especially on the road so far in the SEC. It hasn't really worked very well for them. I think this was their first quad one w- victory. Um, Alabama, of course, gets a ton of love because their analytics forward coach, former math teacher, who basically does everything he can to game the system. Um, Auburn, to me, just looks really tough. And uh, I feel like they want to play this game of, of Ole Miss, to me, like – Despite playing really well, I think they kind of fell in love with this scramble game. We keep doing egg stuff, but um, they like literally were just running so much. And that's exactly what Alabama's going to do. So I feel like that was like the perfect preview for Auburn just to be ready for that. I don't love a lot of the Auburn pieces. They are completely nuts at times. And, and it really is a scramble drill. And it feels like there's everyone's hairs on fire and they're just trying to find a bucket to put their head in. But at the same time, they're good enough. And I feel like when I look at Alabama, I just have not been impressed with them this year. I've picked some bad times to be against them where they shoot and make 50% of their threes. I don't think that's going to happen in the jungle. This is a big, big rivalry. And and usually I think Auburn is much more fired up for this game than Alabama is. I don't know necessarily that that's the case here, but I I don't think there's any chance that Alabama is going to catch an Auburn team that's like sleeping or or not ready to go. And uh, to me, a three and a half point spread is is too small and is something that I would, I would back Auburn with if we do see that number. Yeah, on my matchup notes, I've got last opponent, and it's Mississippi and Mississippi State. So when we went into it, looking at that, I was like, "Oh, egg bowl." Yeah, I'm an idiot. So uh, <laughs> no, no, I'll be. No. Uh, oh, and of course, this is one of the shows where I gave out my uh, my Twitter handle, so I'll just get roasted for that. No big deal. Uh, so it looks like we agree <laughs> that the the only way to go is to uh, to back Auburn here. All right, let's uh, let's get one more in before best bets, and let's go out to the Pac-12. And we will go with Utah and Arizona. We are going to be at Utah, Arizona at Utah. We're going to project minus four. Uh, Utah coming off another win at home over Colorado, a win and cover uh, at home. And we saw Arizona play tonight as we record this on Sunday night. And Arizona got a win, but it was not easy because they, they were down 10 points at halftime uh, to Stanford. Mm. That's not an ideal place to be. Uh, they're at home, luckily, and they were able to turn it around and, and get the job done. But this Arizona team is certainly not uh, unstoppable. It, you know, like a, there was a lot of times last year where you could have looked at this at Arizona and said, man, maybe they're the best team. And of course, it ended up not being that way in the tournament. But this season, I don't feel that way at all. I, I feel like this Arizona team, if anything, the fact that they're sitting fourth in Kin Palm makes me feel like man, maybe this Arizona team's just overhyped. And this is one of those games that I'm sure I, I'm sure you kind of feel the same way I do. I've got no interest in backing the road team here. Utah is just so good at home. Um, it, it, they they just always. I mean, Oregon pushed them there. That was like one of the few times that they even had a competitive game on their home floor this season. Uh, you got to go back to like the BYU game, where, and by the way, which they won. Um, but they they are just so they're tough to beat in Utah, and particularly for these teams that aren't you know aren't 
super accustomed to the the elevation. Uh, and they even Colorado was, and Colorado's probably a better team than Utah, and it didn't matter. Uh, Utah took care of business on their floor, and this Arizona team that I feel like is more vulnerable away from home, uh, already losses at Oregon State, lost at Stanford. Um, they have shown me that they are not a, a, a juggernaut, and if you're losing at Stanford and at Oregon State, which I don't think of as really tough road trips, I think you're going to have a really hard time uh, on this Utah trip. So uh, I like Utah here uh, as a dog, uh, pretty much of, of any number. Uh, I, I, will, I don't know what, what exactly it'll come out. I'm projecting it for, but if it's three, I'll be on Utah. If it's, if it's two, I'll probably be on Utah. I think if there's a plus, I'm probably going to be on Utah. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I was kind of surprised by a ton of line movement this weekend on Utah hosting Colorado because to me that was a pretty much two teams that consider themselves NCAA tournament teams in the Pac-12, which is way down. Um, Utah did beat Arizona pretty handily last season, uh, then got smoked on the road in Tucson, but Arizona shot four for 28 from three. I think that's a nice little 14%. Uh, not exactly what you're looking for, especially as a team that uh, has some big time scoring droughts, it seems. Uh, Arizona are really fickle, really hard for me to understand. The nice part is that uh, unlike when I backed the, uh, Oregon against them in a home game, they hadn't just lost to Oregon State. Uh, so it's a nice part that they got a, a double-digit win, maybe not as comfortable as that final scoreline looks. And uh just smashed California as well uh, right before that. So to me, that's a good good spot as any for Arizona to potentially be sleepwalking. Uh, I was I thought based on the big move from I think Utah about a pick 'em or minus one when the, the lines opened on Friday to then I think closing three and a half or four point favorites. I thought that meant Raleigh Worcester was going to be back their point guard. Uh, he didn't play, so I don't know what his deal is. Uh, ever. He's been out for a, a couple games. I, I yeah. think what the move the move was. Uh, was more about some uh, availability for Colorado. Luke O'Brien didn't play; like the, he was a game time decision. He ended up not playing, so I'm I'm guessing it was more of that, if if anything. Maybe I mean to me, Luke O'Brien doesn't mean anywhere near no. as much as a point guard for Utah when Utah's yeah. been getting absolutely waxed by some of the lower teams in the conference. I think lost by double digits, maybe twenty plus to both Washington schools. So uh, I was like, this seems weird. Yes, uh, I mean, as we've seen and as I've kind of documented already on this podcast, the market is great sometimes, but also sometimes it'll bet the crap out of some team like West Virginia and then see them get waxed. So um, I was a little bit thrown off by all of it. And I was like, okay, well, we'll see how this goes. And of course, Utah ended up, I think, taking a big lead and then kind of almost choking away at the end. But but we're covering and that's uh, all that really matters in this business that we're in. So um, I'm into Utah here. I, I think Arizona... Uh, usually they're so much bigger than everyone. Uh, Utah is one of the biggest teams, as you've mentioned on this podcast a bunch when we've talked about this season. So if you don't have that advantage there, probably means more outside shots for Arizona and uh, more hero ball from Caleb Love. So uh, give me Utah with any plus number, as you said. All right, uh, let's get into best bets. Before we do, let's, uh, let's tell the people how they can save some money at pregame. Yeah, so we were all in on the UNC Duke game this weekend. And uh, so we gave the promo code Carolina15, maybe because it's alphabetical order or maybe because that's who we thought would win. But uh, now we got the other side. We got Duke15 for all you uh, 
dookies out there, as uh, Dick Vitale would say. You say $15 off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast, but only for listeners of this college basketball co- podcast. It's good for seven days from the podcast release. You got until the 12th of February, uh, but why wait? Go pay 15 or I guess save 15 bucks, use it, win some money, buy your loved ones a nice little Valentine's Day gift or uh, roses, chocolates, Jewelry, I guess, is usually how it goes, but don't ask me because it usually goes really poorly. So uh, I won't give any advice in that degree, but just use that promo code Duke15, D-U-K-E-15. I don't think D-O-O-K-15, though that's the way Dick Vitale says no, it would work. We, but no D- alternate D-U-K-E-15, and that'll save you 15 bucks. Anything on the pregame.com website. All right, let's jump into best bets. I'll take the lead here. I'm going to go with a Tuesday game, and I'm going to go with a WCC total. Uh, and I know the only – like people were so excited last pod to bet an Ivy League road favorite. And there I said, you know, what, you know what people will love even more than that? <laughs> Betting a WCC under. And that's what we're doing, baby. We're going St. Mary's at Pacific – under 130 is the projection for Mr. Pomeroy. Uh, 75-55 is the final that he's got here. These two teams played back in late January, and St. Mary's got a 76-28 to win. That is not a halftime score. That was the final score of a collegiate basketball game, 76-28. to Here's the beautiful thing about St. Mary's is even when they play bad teams, they don't really change their stripes. They are what they are. They keep their pace. There were only 61 possessions in that game, which is below average for their their season. Uh, They are a snail anytime they get a chance to be. And while Pacific, if you look at their uh, adjusted tempo, they're 136th. But most of that's because they're 107th in defensive length of possession. When When they're on offense, they're slow. And they'll obviously be even slower against the St. Mary's defense that just smothered them last time out. I see no reason. Like St. Mary's doesn't want to play fast. They don't. They're going to go slow on offense, and they're going to set up their defense and make you work for everything. So to me, this screams under. St. Mary's, is is they'll take pace if you bring it, but I don't think Pacific is really in a position to bring it here. They want as few possessions as possible. Uh, they're not the kind – I mean, they're not good enough on offense to want to go 70 possessions with this team. And I also think coming off of a uh, a nail biter with Gonzaga, if there's any spot for for St. Mary's to kind of uh to to feel like they can take the air out of the ball and just slow it down and get an easy win and go home, uh, this feels like it. So uh, I'm gonna go on. I'm I'm gonna go with a, a a really fun total here and go under in this uh, St. Mary's and Pacific game. We're gonna project it at 130. I'd like it to to 126. We'll go. Well, I imagine it's fun as long as the coins clink when you go take them from the machine <laughs> or from the cashier's window or as long as your balance goes in a certain in an up direction on your sports book of whatever f- casino you use or wherever the heck it is in this world or with your guy or whatever. I think that works for the people, right? I got uh I got limited to a $300 college basketball total on Houston and Kansas Oh, well. at what would be considered a pretty major book out here in the desert. They said, mm, we'll let you bet 300 on that. I was like, on Kansas, Houston, that's my limit. Okay. All right. Well, g- wait till I come at you with the extra games. That's uh, 
<laughs> That'll Wait be till fun. you get so, a WCC Tuesday night total, right. baby. It's my goodness. All right, where are you going be, with your best bet? You're going to have to be taking that big uh, suitcase across all of those uh, strip type Man. of casinos, you know? Uh, for my best bet, I'm going to go, I'm staying, well, not the, I'm going to go back to the East Coast and I'm going to go with Xavier. You're projecting a three point favorite at home against Villanova. Played up to minus four, um, but probably will be in that sort of range. I mean, seeing Xavier close uh, as a three ish, maybe even less than that, I think two point favorite it was at St. John's this week. So uh, I'm just really not trying to kind of keep it simple stupid is what I'm I'm doing for this season really which is backing home teams with good crowds that uh are hosting teams that I think have some flaws to say it that way. Villanova in a t- in a tailspin had a game with Providence tonight but uh, on Sunday night as we're recording or finished earlier but I, I just feel like Xavier is trying to get some sort of momentum going for a tournament run to get an at-large bid it seems like that's probably not likely but you know it's hard to say um I mean you might as well start building now for a big tournament run in Madison Square Garden uh, as we get head into March. So take Xavier, uh, probably see minus three, but all the way up to minus four uh, for my best bet on this episode. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, Xavier's like I, I know they're they're battling to be a tournament team. Uh, the St. John's win this last week, like you said, was I think that's a big win for them. Um, I, I think the win at Providence probably looks pretty good and they, they have a neutral win against St. Mary's, which is, is going to go a long way. So, uh, they do need a couple more wins though. I, I don't think they can afford to lose these home games, certainly. So, uh, Villanova and Creighton are their next two games, both home games. I think those are games they have to have And Villanova. I mean, I talked about this a few pods ago. I just, I don't think this is a tournament caliber team. Uh, they had lost five straight. They'd lost six out of seven with the one win being DePaul uh, before they finally got a win today. I don't even count DePaul as a win. It's like yeah, you're supposed if you <laughs> imagine if you lost to DePaul at home, you should just be kicked out of the Big East. But um, they, they did kind of right the ship today against Providence. But I, I, I'll look to buy the uh, by the by the bounce back here. So like now, oh, people oh, look, at, look at Villanova. They look pretty solid. It's Please, fixed. By all, Kyle by Neptune, all means. Baby. By all means, think that. Um, so, and yeah, it, when it comes down to do I do I trust Sean Miller or, or Kyle Neptune more? I don't know how long my Sean Miller list is, but I, I know it. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Neptune is somewhere below him on the list of coaches that I trust. So, uh, I like that play as well. So, uh, Xavier minus three gets my stamp of approval, and hopefully, that leads us to a two and O. Griffin, thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Uh, thank you guys for taking the time to listen to this episode and maybe telling your friends about it. Um, maybe tell them to leave a review, but obviously a five-star review, that would be the best. And, um, you know, maybe say something nice about Griffin. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Let's not go too crazy, but just, you know, make him feel (laughs) good about not having a Valentine this year. We don't need to beg. Okay. (laughs) Griffin. Thank you, man. Uh, we will be back on Thursday night with another weekend episode. Best of luck to you guys out there.